Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. No, I was talking. 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 Studio C. Very I, deliberate pace, senor. A dimly lit room, deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. Today, what is today? Wednesday, trash day. Luckily, I put the trash out. We're under the tutelage of our general manager, <laughs> the circular firing squad. Last night's Democratic debate. Oh, my. Oh, my. Dumpster fire out back of a spit show. 
great, Scott. In what sense did you feel that way? Oh, it was, well, it was everybody talking at once, yelling at each other, everybody taking brickbats to each other's character and policy. It was a circular firing squad. It was like a deliberate attempt by a party to bring itself down. Of course, this sort of thing is always forgotten immediately once you get yeah. into the general, but it was entertaining. Are, are there are there more of these? <laughs> I don't I don't think there are. Uh, well, there aren't until after Super Tuesday, and after that, it's not so super to have them anymore. Because yeah. yeah, I'm not sure I could watch another one. I didn't watch all of last night, but I'm not sure I could watch another one. I've kind of lost interest in that. That, um, you know, it's funny. Just psychologically speaking, yeah. I was uh, texting back and forth with a handful of friends, um, including one who I'm absolutely certain was hammered. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you judge I, that through text? Uh, how hammered your friends are? Yeah, there's something about it. Just the the feel of it. Text, but anyway. t- texting kind of evolved post me drinking. So what is what is the what are the telltale signs of drunken te- texting? Oh, uh, the abruptness of things. Hmm. I mean, just like really strong statements, then no follow-ups and no replies, <laughs> then a follow-up that's like off-topic. Just... Some people do this naturally, but sending a single message in multiple texts, right? Like kind of breaking up your sentences in weird spots, accidentally hitting send and not having to finish. <laughs> oh, the, right? like that. That's so, a good one. Uh, you know, two texts for one sentence sort of thing. Or your first text being like really strong and out of nowhere. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, the sign of a drunk texter. Uh, but anyway, I texted Craig, the Obamacare lawyer, Craig, the healthcare guru. I said, this is unbelievable. I can't turn it off. And then 60 seconds later, I texted, I can't take this anymore. I'm turning it off. <laughs> because it, right. it had that feel, didn't it? It was just, it was such a, a spit show. That you just watched fascinated, then after a while, I felt my human spirit was dying, so I had to turn it off. Well, we'll play some highlights throughout the morning, or um, uh, just uh, clips that give you an indication of what happened, because I assume most of you didn't watch, certainly, the whole thing. Although the last debate had the highest ratings in the history of Democratic debates, so... Yep. I don't know about last night. Well, and I think a lot of folks are curious to know who's most likely to go up against the Tangerine Tornado. Yeah. And, and mm, well, well, we'll offer our take on that. What would the headline be? The headline's got to be that Bernie had his first rough night ever. That's got to be the headline, isn't it? Bernie never had a rough night in any of these debates. I would say Bernie withstands multiple beatings would be my headline. But he did get booed three times, which has never happened in any of the debates he's been in. Yeah, well, the crowd was out of control. The moderator could not control it was it was it was a spit show mm. as the kids say but not spit but the stupid fcc won't let us swear <laughs> elizabeth Actually, warren it's, it's more that we don't want to uh, inflict that upon you folks elizabeth warren continued to beat up on the one billionaire uh bloomberg she, yeah she she just has it in for him for some reason I out. He, uh, he he's not even on the ballot in the state they're debating in and uh, and she ain't going nowhere but Whatever, she's decided to spend her time beating up the little billionaire down on the end of the stage for some reason. I've forgotten Bloomy wasn't uh, on in South Carolina either, no. so he's on nothing till Super Tuesday, yeah. huh? Right. Um, we got to talk coronavirus later. Is it an overreaction or a proper reaction all in the United States and around the country? I know that, like, locally, there was there were events canceled, what, a month ago. That is guaranteed an overreaction. Mm. Um, yeah, that was just silly. Uh, but... Uh, 
You know, one thing I do know is that post-Katrina, George Bush's handling of that hurricane, and a snowstorm here and there for various mayors like Bloomberg, Mm -hmm. you can only pay a political price for not being prepared. Correct. You will pay no political price for overreacting. And I think everybody has figured that out. Mm-hmm. So if you pretend everything is uh, is Armageddon, you will be okay politically. Even if you spend heavily from the Treasury? Yeah. Right. Well, there's, uh, you know, in sympathy... So you have sympathy, to watch out for that. That's just the fact of the politics of it. In sympathy uh, with the authorities, there is no exactly right reaction. I mean, especially politically. You're either under or over. There's no such thing as perfect. Right, but as a voter, it's hard to figure out how a big a deal is something because p- people can go crazy over and it's just covering their asses. Sure. Yep. As opposed to what they actually are afraid of. That's not actually how the uh, coronavirus is transmitted. <laughs> <laughs> Anally. Uncovered butts right. has nothing to do with it. Gluteal. Um, uh, there is our, we kick off the show by introducing everybody in the squad, and there's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing okay. I didn't watch too much of the debate. but Good I'm for hoping, you. I'm hoping we have a lot of Tom Steyer, because I think, from what I've heard, he dominated <laughs> oh, last night. I didn't watch much, but that's all I did. That's funny. Oh, boy. Why boy. is he up there? Because he's a billionaire, and by, by by definition of his financial success, he thinks he should be president. Bit of a limp noodle, in my estimation. What, what's amazing, who, who, who did I see Texas last night? It's a <laughs> testament to what a great country we are, that a guy like that could become a billionaire. That a limp beta <laughs> male like him could become a billionaire. Yeah, there's some truth to that. Yeah, yeah, you know, mm. I wonder if when he's speaking on camera and they're just showing him on camera, the other candidates, this is their snack break, so they can quickly shovel food in. and then Yeah, it stars up there so they can go pee if they have to. Right. Uh, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. Now, as uh, my single, childless, kind of pointless existence uh, continues to go on, I, I often find myself in, in strange crossroads of culinary decisions where I will have, <laughs> uh, I will have uh, you know, kind of the, the entree of the thing, but I, I don't have, like, I'll have taquitos, but I don't have, you know, a salsa or anything to dip it in. So I, I, I do strange combinations. The one of which I know is probably unique to me and probably sounds crazy to other people, and that's that I dip taquitos in barbecue sauce mm. and eat them. I've never tried that. Mm. But one that I discovered last week that I I've I've returned to multiple times since, and I think is actually fantastic. Uh, you got your basic, you know, your cheese quesadilla, whether you want to do it on the stove or the the microwave. Love a good quesadilla. Yeah, sometimes you know I get a little fancy, put a little garlic salt on the before I melt the chia, and oh, it's, it's really good. You're nuts. But the thing that I discovered. I was dipping my quesadillas in spaghetti sauce, what? and it was delicious. Yeah. Well, okay, if that sounds going, like something my kids might like. A, a cheese quesadilla is really a child's quesadilla. Oh yeah, the, the, we had them last night for the kids. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, the quesadilla is really the modern. What do I do with these leftovers? And it can be really good. You got leftover vegetables. You got vegetable meat. You got to just mm-hmm. throw them in there. Or in our case, some cheese on them. Put them twixt some uh, some tortillas. In our case, it's we went to all this work on this meal. We might as well have something they'll eat. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> it reminded me of like dollar store uh, mozzarella cheese sticks that you get at, like an appetizer. Oh, yeah. Thing. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of bread, cheese, and a little uh, tomato sauce with the it? garlic sauce. Oh, yeah, no, it was garlic great. salt rather. Oh, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that. Dip in the quesadilla in, in uh, spaghetti sauce. We will try that. Sounds like something you get at the Olive Garden. <laughs> hey, you know what? When you're there, your family. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Made Joe cry with that. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Wednesday, February 26th, the year 2020. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Yeah, all right, then. Let's begin the show officially. According to FCC rules and regulations, you may notice we don't all talk over each other the entire show. Mm-hmm. Let's begin it. Mark! Having someone that can lead the ticket, that can bring people with her, is the way you get gun safety legislation. I look at these proposals and say, do they hurt my Uncle Dick in the deer stand? They do not. Oh, Oh. Oh. Uncle Dick! Dinner time! (laughs) Oh, I forgot. It's my job. There, I did it. Yeah, uh, one of baby steps. One of Brett Bear's tweets last yeah, yes. night was uh, along the lines of, who had Uncle Dick in the deer stand in their <laughs> debate bingo last night? <laughs> that is funny, Brett. Uh, question, what is a deer stand? <laughs> oh, that's what you put your deer up on to repair it. <laughs> God, you know nothing. It's basically where you're hanging out to hunt deer. But uh, oh, okay. It's, it's like, like, a, a, like a hunting uh, lodge. Up in the air blind. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so you can surprise the deer and blow its brains out. Her point was she wants gun laws that don't uh, affect hunters. Just, no, I got that. Yeah. I had just never encountered a, a deer stand. Uncle uh, deer if stand. you don't use the deer stand, and when you park your deer, it'll tip over. <laughs> Scratch the chrome. Uncle uh, Dick could have told you that. <laughs> How does mailbag look? Oh, it's fine. It's good. It's 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 super. Trump's got his highest approval ratings yet? That's uh wow, wow, peaking too early. Uh, Save that for October. I I feel like I've I have a script for a really great movie in my hand, and I'm dying to flip to the last couple of pages. Yeah, this whole election thing is just so Looney Tunes. Anyway, we'll, I have no idea where it's going. We'll catch up on all this. I hope you can stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. was the line of the night in the debate last night coming up uh, after the bottom of the hour. I thought we already did that with Uncle Dick in the deer stand. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren got in Bloomberg's shorts again over uh, sexual harassment. That was quite the dramatic moment in which there was booing. Did she get booed or was he getting booed? I couldn't tell. I that. don't know. It wasn't clear. There were times that, you know, Bernie would say, the downtrodden are starving! And people would, yeah! It's like, they want them to starve, or is that they're glad Bernie's saying it? It's not clear to me. Not clear at all. Uh, mailbag. My point was, we'll get into that coming up. Uh, let's see. I'm looking for a good freedom-loving quote of the day. Uh, 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 you know, how about Robert Ingersoll again on his, from his book, The Liberty of Man, Woman, and Child? The man who does not do his own thinking is a slave and is a traitor to himself and to his fellow men. That's probably useful to repeat given the uh, the herd mentality of, of politics. Well, I'll tell you what, my, my, my uh, freedom-loving quote of the day, or the lack of it, would be, my belief is the more government you have, the less freedom you have. It just seems to be true by definition to me. Yes. And last night's debate was the... 
the furthest left, most big government conversation on a national stage we may have ever had in this country. I, I think it certainly was. Yeah. And uh, it, in the context of a major party, yeah. The question being, has the country moved to where these people are? Well, not as far as they all are, but it's certainly headed that direction to have that many candidates that far left. I have to talk about a debate I heard yesterday from Paul Krugman of the New York Times and a socialist who called Paul Krugman a moderate, no. which is a joke if you've ever if you know those people. But right. um, we we just moved way left as a society, and people like me need to recognize that. You can be unhappy with it, you can fight against it, but you have mm-hmm. to recognize it's happened. Yep. So uh, listen, we're going to post this at ArmstrongandGetty.com. It may already be up. I'm not sure, but uh, alert listener Benjamin sent this along and said, "Seriously, the coolest thing in a long while." It is, uh, this artist has dedicated herself, her hobby now is she updates the classic portraits, be they paintings or photographs of historical figures, and she gives them modern haircuts, modern clothes, and a modern portrayal of them. Because some, like old-timey portraits, have people looking very flat and weird, um, but... And it shows them the way they would look if they were in the world today. And it's difficult to communicate exactly why that's so interesting and amusing. Do you have any examples? Sure. Napoleon, for instance, uh, was striking what he looks like. A couple of Roman emperors. Caligula looked like a weaselly rich kid. And he was a famously debauched, sick, uh, cruel perv. And then Julius Caesar looks like a statesman. You would vote for him for president. It was quite amazing. Lincoln was striking as well. But there are a bunch of these portraits, you know, even like Anne Boleyn and Elizabeth I. And uh, did I, I mention Napoleon, right? Um, hotties. Looked like hotties. Uh, actually, several of your, your historical, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get uh, Nefertiti's number right now. <laughs> I'm trying to maybe reach out to her on Twitter. And where do I find this stuff? Uh, at armstrongandgetty.com. Oh, our website. Yes. Oh, okay, I'll have yes. to check that out. It's actually quite good. I'm going to go in a quiet moment uh, to this gal's website and look at the rest of her pictures. Mm. If you're a fan of history, I think you will find it really intriguing. Moving along, Ron and Anita write, Hey, our kids aged 8 and 10 would like to know why you don't use study the world anymore. I don't know. We just we felt like it ran its course. No, now, I have an answer for that, but I'm not going to say it on the air. Oh, okay. Really? Huh. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Huh? huh? I was here. And I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> of course, I don't remember yesterday. So, yeah. okay, moving along. That's mysterious. Let's see. Socialism explained to a 13-year-old Dan in Honolulu with the classic. Listen to your show on the way to take my 13-year-old daughter to school. Shout out to Dan. Hashtag girl dad, right? Is that what I'm supposed yeah. to say? Yeah, that's a thing. Fabulous. I got two of my own. She happens to be a very hardworking student, as a, as a result, earns straight A's. The other day she asked, Dad, what is socialism? I said, socialism's goal is to make things equal between people. But the example I gave was this. You work very hard at school, you get straight A's. Another girl does not work hard, earns C's. Socialism takes your A's away from you and gives them to the other girl. As a result, you both get B's. She immediately gasped in horror. Well, that that's his presentation of it. <clears throat> to be fair and present it from the other side, the way they would present it is, you've got all the... Uh, advantages in life. So you got an A. That other person doesn't have your skin color. Uh, your parents don't, don't have as much money. Doesn't have as nice a clothes. So they're always worried about what other people think of them. So they can't study. Right. Etc. Etc. Cetera, et cetera. And tragic. so you have to give them some of your unearned privilege to bring it up to evil. 
Yeah. E- equal. Like, that's funny. What a Freudian slip. That might be the first actual Freudian slip of my life. That was good. It was strong. They said evil instead of equal. Yeah. Well, the uh, the uh, the counterpoint to your counterpoint would be, well, they've run that experiment over and over and over again, and it always results in the A students no longer striving and the not good students no longer striving because either way they were not rewarded nor you know anti-rewarded punished for their effort or lack of effort that's so like, nobody puts any effort that's out. like just your opinion man no, no no that's the data man counterpoint efforts <laughs> why, are, why are you standing up for evil you're lazy you're evil i need better friends The Armstrong and Getty Show. Certainly. Not all politics are all debate all the time. We're just going to hit you with some highlights. i got a number of other things. The ridiculous reasons why people dumped someone in a relationship. How about Harvey Weinstein walking out of the courthouse without a walker? Hey, my back is fine. It's a miracle! Uh, A variety of other things we can talk about. This whole debate thing that we're about to get into. How about this for a backdrop? President Trump has the highest approval ratings he's ever had in the real clear politics average, the average of polls, not just one outlier wackadoo poll. Right. But he's got the highest approval rating he's ever had in the average and the lowest disapprove he's ever had in the average. His disapprove is still higher than approve, which is historically like never happens. But, right. Um, but that's something. Yeah, it's a backdrop. I would not want to be running against him at this point, given the strength of the economy, et cetera, the coronavirus notwithstanding. However, the Democratic Party feels duty-bound to run someone against them, and frankly, it'd be odd if they didn't. And to that end, they are holding a series of primaries, caucuses, and indeed, last night, another debate. I want you to brace yourselves. This is not the view. Actually, you know what, Hanson, is just a, I thought earlier I should have told you. we got to come up with a clip of the view of all those obnoxious cackling hens cackling over each other and, and compare it to, ladies and gentlemen, this from the debate. Mr. Sire, Mr. Sire. I think we're talking we'll about that. We'll get to you, Mr. Sanders. Let's talk let about me, it. Can I say, hold on. Look, first of all, Bernie, first, let, me first, go. No, let me go. I think, Tom, I think she was talking about my plan, not yours. I think we all were right. talking about math, and it no, doesn't take no, two hours well, to do the math. Because let's talk about let's what talk it adds about up to. We math. Don't. Let's talk about let's math talk about math. Okay, so here's the math. No, here's the math. Can I respond to the nothing is what will happen. Senator Sanders, you're allowed a quick response, and we would like to have you The moderator, guys. Senator Sanders? Senator Sanders? Well, it's moderator. <laughs> it's my turn. This Senator helps a lot, That was not some sort of studio creation, my friends. That was a sample of went on, what went on for two hours. There's a lot of that, too. Um, I'm of uh, two minds on this. One is, as a moderator, if I was the moderator, think, you know what? You're grown-ups running for president. I'm going to let you handle this the way you want to handle it. And if that's the way you want to act in front of people, and that's what you want to show to people, go for it. Mm-hmm. It does reveal. On the other hand, um, the reason Pete, for instance, was jumping in the way he was, is so many people have been rewarded over the years by breaking the rules. Yeah. They end up having the clip of the night because they broke the rules. Mm-hmm. And the moderators let, let them get away with that. So if I was coaching a guy, I'd say, you got to jump in with your thing. You just have to jump in and talk louder yeah. because people regularly win the debate. Win, using my finger quotes, to what extent these debates ever have any effect on anything. But you end up with the clip of the night because you jumped in and broke the rules. You've got to establish from the beginning, look, 
maybe even be able to turn off the mics. Yeah. If you jump in when it's not your turn, I'm turning off your microphone. Yeah. You don't get to just overpower somebody and get the big applause line. Biden is taking shots as being a whiner. Because he's asking them to enforce the rules, and he right. sticks to them, and this says, I guess it's my Catholic upbringing, I'd, I'm uncomfortable breaking the rules. But if everybody breaks the rules, you see what happens. You just get everybody talking at once. Yeah. Everybody thinks my voice is going to be heard louder or something. I don't know what they think, but yeah, it was just there, was a, there were long chunks of it where it was like that. It was just like, oh my God. Yeah, there was one moment where there were four people. Speaking simultaneously, just waiting for somebody. Well, you'd have to have three people give way so they could be heard. It was it was a battle for supremacy. Yeah, that, that was just one example. Here's another version later. This happened over and over again. We'll have a fact Wait. check. Look no, at let's this. look at the fact oh check. Can I respond to the nothing nothing is what will Senator happen? Senator Sanders, you are allowed to respond, and we would like to allow you to I'm not out of time. You spoke over time, and I'm going to talk. That was why I described it as a circular firing squad. Why It was amazing. Why has nobody ever gone with the idea of we'll only turn on your microphone after we ask answer your question when your time's up? Microphone goes off. Right. And then we go to the next person. We'll give you a five-second grace period in case you mistime your sentence. You know, you're only human, but that'd be fine. I I think having each of them in soundproof booths like the old game show quiz show is Mm. the only way to make that work. Because otherwise, the loud voice will just get picked up on the person standing next to him's mic. I think a soundproof booth on on a dolly with a Hannibal Lecter mask for each of the candidates. And then you just... Take the tape off their mouth after each question and put the tape back. Finally, somebody uh, talking common sense. <laughs> hey, how about you buzz in like Jeopardy? Seriously. You have I got to... the answer. I'm the best candidate. Listen, this is a bit of a philosophical tangent, but a great deal of attention paid to the debate last night, which actually did have some, some elements of a debate, but it was a, a firing squad and a poop show and the rest of it. It was just crazy and dumb, mostly. Um, not entirely, but mostly. Completely ignored, and and it's the terrible CNN doing it. So I hate to even tip my cap to it, but they're having one of those candidate uh, town hall forumy things where they bring each one of them out to answer questions from common folk and the moderators, and they go back and forth and they explain their plans one at a time, so nobody one can talk at over a time you. exactly. And then the next guy comes out. That's a clearly more like a dog show than a dog fight. That's. Cr- <laughs> That's clearly a better format, yet oh, yeah. doesn't get close to the number of viewers. Nobody's going to pay attention just because I don't know. As <laughs> of uh, 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 Nixon and Kennedy or Lincoln and Douglas, or somebody just fell in love with the notion of a debate. That's what we need to listen to, even though the, the other one is much more revealing. And as a voter, it is much, much, much more instructive. I mean, in terms of who you ought to vote for. To the extent of a town hall, you get done with one of those town halls, you're down to two choices. I guarantee you those forum things. You listen to a debate, it's virtually useless. I saw and one, yet as a people, we're in the habit. We're in the rut. I don't know why. I don't remember. One of my favorite lefty pundits said, I can't believe they wasted a couple of questions at the beginning of the debate on polling numbers. That's just a complete waste of the debate's time. It's idiotic. Yeah. It's Which polls? All of them. Uh, uh, okay. Senator Biden, you are down slightly in some polls. Do you think you still have a chance to win? What's the answer to that? I know. It's so bad. So I mentioned uh, what I thought was the line of the night for my taste, and it came in a long little thing from Mayor Pete, so I thought we would play that. Oh, the only way we're going to restore American credibility, as the president is to actually 
win the presidency. And I am not looking forward to a scenario where it comes down to Donald Trump with his nostalgia for the social order of the 1950s and Bernie Sanders with a nostalgia for the revolutionary politics of the 1960s. This is not about what coups were happening in the 1970s or 80s. This is about the future. This is about 2020. We are not going to survive or succeed, and we're certainly not going to win by reliving the Cold War. And we're not going to win these critical, critical House and Senate races if people in those races have to explain why the nominee of the Democratic Party is telling people to look at the bright side of the Castro regime. We've got to be a lot smarter about this than look to the future. I thought that was the line of the night. If good sense won elections, he just won it. I thought that was the line of the night. Explaining why their top candidate is looking on the bright side of the Castro regime. <laughs> that is really good. <laughs> Little Pete score. Oh, boy, that was pretty funny. And then at one point, Pete said, if you're tired of the partisanship and are worn out by all this, imagine if we have the two pol- most polarizing figures, Trump and Bernie, running against right. each other. Right. Which is a heck of a thing to stay- say on a Democratic stage. But. Well, and, and listen, it really helps me to go to, for instance, the New York Times to interpret this stuff, because from my perspective, all these people are nuts and, and they would be right. terrible for right. the country. Um, it, it, um, it, Mayor Pete... Uh, did not do well according... Well, you know what? Actually, he did pretty well. Um, But Bernie pointed out uh, last night that I've got the highest approval ratings of anyone on this stage. True. And I thought, you know what? That's right. That's true. That's right. So from a lefty perspective, Pete is not a scary, ridiculous boogeyman. Apparently. A Bernie isn't? Uh, Bernie, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, But I'm looking at the New York Times review of Pete. Yeah, Bernie should say that uh, like three times per hour, because that's the only knock on him. Yes. Look, you can say I'm divisive and can't pull people together. I've got a 72% approval rating in the Democratic Party. Yeah, a number of the uh, the liberals liked Pete a lot, um, but they say uh, it's just he has no passion. Uh, he seemed frustrated by the lack of time. He's trying to be the adult in the room, but by the end of the debate, he was giving off strong, annoying little brother energy. <laughs> But he that, had plenty of zingers to lob at Sanders. That, um, that answer we played right there, though, came at the end of a scrum in which he ended up being the loudest voice, and they all just backed down. The reason he got to say that minute-long answer there was because he talked over the top of people. I just think they should control these things better. Maybe I'm because I think it's in that a case they follower. actually did recognize him. But me was... and me and Biden have the problem of being rules followers. But I just I want to hear what they think. I don't want it to be who gets to, 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 to talk the loudest. I maintain this will be the last election cycle where That's we experience debates in, in this way. It's going to be a thing of the past. Why wouldn't both parties do what Joe was just talking about? Don't promote this. Promote your big town hall. Make mm-hmm. that the big event. Yep. Trot them all out in random order and then do it again next week in a different order. Then do it the following week in another order and, and let people tune in as they will. Have a night of foreign policy, a night of health care, a night like of whatever. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, have them each do, I'm, I'm thinking just, now I'm thinking as a guy in the uh, in the media business, if you were to give each person, you know, five minutes on domestic policy and five minutes on foreign policy, and have a roughly hour-long show and do that once a week, it would seem to be, a, well, it seem to be, it's clearly a better idea than that fracas of, of yelling and talking over each other. No, I was talking to 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 I was
Don't put on me before. Let, let him, let him you scrum. sound enlightening. But today, you're going to be that is not that is not us <laughs> editing that together to make it sound that way. My stress level just goes. Ooh, oh yeah, maybe that's, that. maybe that's why I hate it so much. It stresses me out. If you're ever in the hospital, somebody's lost a lot of blood and their blood pressure is dangerously low in the emergency room. Play them about two minutes of that. They'll be leaping off the gurney. Let me out of here. Or if you got somebody in a room with you and you don't like them, play that. You might yeah. kill them. Right. So that was the view. Yes. As opposed to the debate. Here's the view. I did not notice that that was the view when you played it. Well, that makes They mentioned George Bush, Joe. How is that going to be in the debate last night? What? Oh, that's good stuff. Oh, my God. We'll hit you with some more highlights spread out throughout the show. We don't we don't want to kill you. This is the state of democracy. Armstrong and Getty. is preparing to open her own modeling-inspired theme park. It's like a regular theme park, except you throw up before you go on the roller coaster. <laughs> Good one. I get it. We'll have a little more debate stuff for you coming up next hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, maybe when uh, Warren gets into Bloomberg's uh, shorts about uh, sexual harassment again. That was pretty gruesome. Yeah. I think she got booed over it. It was hard to tell. The audience was out of control. That's uh, booing and yelling and the rest of it. I, I, why is it not in front of an empty room? Um, I had another thing I was going to mention, too, wasn't it? Maybe oh, we have plenty of clips for you. Those tickets Good. are apparently pretty pricey, I think, is why they don't do that. Oh, boy. Fundraiser? Oh, right. They're, they're donors. Keep the whole thing running, probably. So Harvey Weinstein, they did this in this article. Well, Sean was uh, pointed this out yesterday. Disgraced movie mogul. Hey, let's change that from disgraced movie mogul to convicted sex offender mm-hmm. or rapist or whatever you want to say. But or both, yeah. The convicted rapist Harvey Weinstein has hired a consultant to figure out what his life is going to be like now that he's in when he when he's in prison and how to handle it. Yeah. I've well, heard of this. I'd do it myself. I decided a couple of years ago when somebody pointed this out to me that I should no longer want bad things to happen in, to people in prison. Right. Because that, that really is not good. That's the, that's not that's not the way our justice system should work. It, it's, it's extrajudicial punishment, which we're against in this country, and it frequently rewards the worst of the worst in prison. Right. Plus, yeah, you get, you end up in prison for whatever crime. You shouldn't have to worry about being attacked or anything like that. Right. But if Harvey Weinstein does get a little of the other end of the whole rape situation, I'm not going to cry myself to sleep at night. I hear you. Um, there are levels of outrage, and I'm not going to gin up my highest one for that. He's probably going to throw around some cash or whatever, right, to make sure he's protected in there? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, won't he go to a serious jail? He's not going to be going to club Club fed, is he? No. As a sex offender? I wouldn't think so. I think he'd be in with some bad people. Anyway, he's still in the hospital because he had some heart problems right after the Sure, he did. Yeah, um, I imagine they'll keep him segregated, though. So, you know, because 
He'd be a target of all sorts of craziness. Just from the high-profile aspect of it? Yeah, he's yeah. super famous and rich and the rest of it. Although, listen, I go, I go to the... hung himself, or somebody hung him. I go to the gang leader. I say, look, uh, what's, what's your old lady need on the outside? I call up my accountant. I say, hey, this, uh, this gal needs to pay off a car. Her car's paid for. That gang leader's my buddy. That's the way I'd approach it. Mm. Now, he might keep coming and asking. you got to be careful with that. That's when you find the biggest, toughest guy in the yard, and you punch him right in the face. That's what they say, but (laughs) I think that'd be hard to do. Those of of you who've done time, I'm kidding. I know. I'm I'm glad that you have a plan for if you end up doing hard time. I have multiple plans. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's the way I am. I plan. I assume that's not going to happen to me. Uh, The other thing that was kind of uh, entertaining is Harvey Weinstein. screwed. Harvey Weinstein walked out of the courthouse. Yeah, they got good video. I don't know if you've been watching him go in with his walker, all hunched over, barely able to get up the stairs, oh, like so pulling himself up the railing, and then but he, with the posture of what a seven-year-old does when they're pretending they're old. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. As I said at the time, I was using a walker not long ago after surgery. That's not the way you use it. But he walked out of the courthouse yesterday. Yes, so. it's a miracle cure. <laughs> So that's that. Movie tradesman. Speaking of uh, walking out of courthouses and that sort of thing, shocking scene, stunning onlookers in Sydney, Australia, after three baboons escaped from their cages inside a hospital and went on the lam. They had been transferred to that hospital, so the male, it was one male and his two baboon gals. He's got two girlfriends, apparently. Sort of thing goes in baboon world. You try that in American world, well, you're going to have a couple angry ladies on your hand, probably. Anyway, so this one baboon, he was scheduled for a vasectomy. Evidently, he heard about it. He knew, the, we can only say, assume that. How would he know he was scheduled for a vasectomy? And he said, boom, toodaloo, I'm out of here. I see you lie to the baboon and tell him it's an appendectomy. You two hot babes, you're coming with me. And out they went, out the front door of the hospital. Like Jack Nicholson in, uh, in Cuckoo's Nest. That's right. That's right. They Driving the van around town. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, yeah, he lit out, and uh, and 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 they were they were later captured. And uh, I was kind of rooting for the baboons in this one, but they're captured in a nearby building and brought back to the hospital. Although the uh, for some reason the uh, lady in charge of snipping the baboon um, said we're going to give him a couple of days to rest up, and I, I don't know why you wouldn't just put him under and, and do it, but. Uh, it's kind of sad because obviously uh, Mr. Baboon and his two sister wives uh, really were thinking of uh, little baboons in their futures, and they heard the scientists talking about it. Anyway, you know, I I live out in the country, and I live not too far from a uh, a monkey hospital where they do research on monkeys. It's quite controversial. Every once in a while, there's protests and stuff out there. But, yeah, I can uh, understand it. It's yeah. a uh, yeah, it's a full on monkey research place. I don't know what goes on in there. Well, if they're trying to teach him to read and giving him little treats nah, and stuff like that. I don't think that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, vaccines and the like. Because a lot of the ugly stuff of the 20th century is just not even done anymore. So we think. Yeah. Well, it's not supposed to be done. Right. Right. Are you going to march on the uh, no. the monkey hospital? No. Mm, I was trying to have fun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> With, with the gentleman you, you no, I will baboon vasectomies. Court or whatever this thing. This is, is not a monkey court. Oh, hey, this is not a monkey court. 
Uh, coming up, we have uh, a, a couple more notes uh, from people who've actually lived under socialist systems. Oh, cool. The reality, as opposed to the glowing sales pitch that socialism gets over and over again. Also, Gwyneth Paltrow's son, he's 13, thinks it's bad A that she sells sex toys on Goop. Why Mom, does you're a feminist. You're a bad A. Why does your 13-year-old know about, know about sex toys? Maybe your mom's sex toys. Uh, how do you like that idea, ladies? Um, it uh, Well, it's on mom's website. Yeah, that's true. It's the family business. Um, uh, we mentioned we got more of the debate coming up. Also, uh, reasons someone got dumped. Always a good list. Armstrong. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 